What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we venture into some new spooky territory. Can I just say, mm -hmm. I've been really digging the, the smooth transitions that we've been having between these movies this month. Uh, yeah, I get you. I feel what you're coming at. Yeah, our vibe has been great this month. Our 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 pick vibe has been mwah, fantastic. They've been they've been hitting the vibes immaculate. And you know what? I feel like it's been a while since we've had movies kind of fall into our lap in the same sense that I feel like they have this month. Mm -hmm. Um, because say today, for instance. Jennifer's body yaddy yaddy. We were not like this was totally out of the blue for us. Mm -hmm. However, we were we were on Twitch on Monday for the homie hangout, and we were having our normal discussion about the episode that we did last week, which was Black as Night. Mm -hmm. And through talking about that, we got onto the subject of Megan Fox because of that new vampire movie that just came out that she was in. And then through that, we started talking about Jennifer's body. And we got like a, the smallest of conversations about it. It was really nothing. It was more so just like, hey, remember when she was in Jennifer's body? And then, <laughs> and then it was, that was basically the conversation. But, it was kind of fun because it sparked a little bit of interest and excitement within those that were there in the chat. And I think for you, it really brought that movie back onto your radar because you it, had it been a while since you'd seen it or you didn't you hadn't seen it. Yo, I have not thought about Jennifer's body in like a decade. <laughs> like straight <laughs> up. That movie was nowhere near my brain, near my thoughts. I had not even given a second of my life to Jennifer's body in the past like 10 ish years mm -hmm. until that conversation. And then the like, moment somebody Who? like typed that in the chat, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that movie. Mm -hmm. You're like, whose body? <laughs> Who was Jennifer? I don't even like, <laughs> you remember, you recall. Who was Jennifer and what happened with her body? I don't remember the story. <laughs> What's up with her body? <laughs> and yeah, it, it kind of, re-sparked that memory of the movie for you. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I think who has kind of watched Jennifer's body and been aware of it throughout the years, and I won't say too, too much yet how my feelings were about it when it originally came out. I was, I like really kind of got into the conversation, but then I was like, I'll chill because I realized that you, you know, weren't you didn't remember as much mm -mm. and no, i think i've so, only seen the movie once like this was my second time watching the movie i'm pretty sure okay Ooh, cool okay mm -hmm. um so yeah i think from there when it came time to decide what we we're going to talk about today you were actually the one who said why don't we do jennifer's body and it all kind of worked itself out yeah. It well, you guys made me privy to the knowledge that Jennifer's body had 
made some sort of resurgence in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I didn't know really much about it. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit um, here in a second. But um, that got me curious. I was like, wait, why is everybody talking about Jennifer's body? What happened? <laughs> Movies from years ago. Right. So, but also, you know, things from like 2009, because that is when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Those like 2009 2010 2011 our high school years glorious glorious years (laughs) things are really coming back from that time period like the the clothing fashion the hair statements um dude i didn't i never ever when the adults would talk about trends and fashion all that stuff it comes back around it's cyclical like things happen i'm like Mm -hmm. yeah sure 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 (laughs) Um, and now right around the corner from 30, seeing it happen firsthand, I'm like, God damn, I hate, Mm -hmm. I hate when the adults are right. I hate when they're right. But it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it it does make sense that trends go in patterns and they get repurposed and re, I mean, that's what thrifting is all about. We're just now reaching that point where those clothes are going to are thrifting you know mm-hmm. we're we're past the point where it's like oh it's the, the you find the clothes from the 90s and stuff like that like now those clothes are coming back i just think it's and it's just so funny because i think now that it's happening to fashion that we wore at that time i can see now why when like 90s clothing would come back you associate that with the time in your life where you felt so awkward and so weird and so like naive about things and you associate that with a specific time in your life Mm -hmm. so now seeing it come back it's like ew because i would never wear bobby jack now (laughs) but i remember wearing it in school and thinking i was so cool and being like embarrassed about it now Mm -hmm. but it it makes sense that people would see i mean i don't think anybody's walking around with bobby jack i'll say that I mean, much i don't think it's coming back i i don't we'll think see, that one's coming we'll back we'll see look uh, <laughs> this is a, a bit of a hard period for a lot of 90s babies cuz i know a lot of us are hitting that 30s age so we're sensitive right now but um if one thing is important i think it's that we make sure that frosted tips remain dead and gone and we do not Mm. let those make a return please gen z i beg of you don't frost your tips you know what i want to make a return wearing skirts over jeans that's what i want to come back (laughs) oh my god that was the peak of fashion in my opinion and i don't feel like i really ever hit my stride with that i don't think i ever really got it you want that second chance the second opportunity i want another chance (laughs) i want another chance to step out with the like boho skirt Mm -hmm. over my jeans with some boots and i really want to make the girls gag (laughs) i didn't get a chance to do that in middle school and high school so if it comes back stay posted homies (laughs) because that's my moment to shine (laughs) we'll see i mean look i've been seeing uggs on twitter all right i think it's only a matter of time before fubu comes back from the grave i don't know yeah i don't think uggs ever really went out though to be fair true true they they've always they they've held their own they're they're vampires in their own way 
they're cockroaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, don't be confused. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it straight. They are the cockroach of the shoe. Um, but I have to give it to them for staying strong and like still being here. They're comfy. I get it. Like I totally get it. That's fair. That's fair. They they do no look quite comfy. To my, to my UGG wearing homies. No disrespect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again. Rock your style. Wear whatever you want. Yeah. Um. But needless to say, we're taking it back to 2009. Mm-hmm. I've got my gauchos on. Um. <laughs> I've got the colorful sunglasses on, and I have those really long dangly earrings that are really uncomfortable to wear. Very and, nice. Very nice. I, really I myself nice. am wearing my jeans down to my knees. Correct. Um. With a three sizes too big jacket on um Mm -hmm. my snapback cocked very much to the side um really ready to just dive into this 2009 Mm -hmm. let's do it (laughs) let us dive (laughs) (laughs) all right homies we are entering into spoiler territory so you have been warned But today, like we said, we are talking about Jennifer's Body from 2009. Now, this movie was directed by Karen Kusama, who some of the longtime listeners may remember from the Invitation episode that we did. Um, Written by Diablo Cody, who a lot of people know as the screenwriter for Juno, and is starring Megan Fox as Jennifer, Amanda Seyfried as Needy, Johnny Simmons as Chip and featuring J.K. Simmons as Mr. Robolsky and Adam Brody as Nikolai. Jennifer and Needy have been best friends their whole lives. Despite having very little in common, these ladies did everything together. They played dolls in the backyard, attend the same school, and survived a brutal fire at the town bar when a rock concert goes terribly wrong. But after Jennifer leaves with the band that night, Needy notices a change in her best friend's behavior. Something is different about Jennifer, and that something is leaving a trail of bodies across the town of Devil's Kettle. Insert smoking hot cheerleaders sexy city band boys, and a hungry demon feasting on the flesh of man here. Our film concludes with Jennifer revealing the secret of what happened to her that night, and Needy confronting her friend about her newfound appetite. Also, R.I.P. Boston Market Rotisserie Chicken. Roll credits. <laughs> Not the rotisserie chicken. Hey, we talking about being old in this episode. Let me just say, before we get into this episode, every year I appreciate how goddamn good rotisserie chickens are more and more. Mm-hmm. It's something that people have taken for granted, man. And you know what? I do wish that there is a scene in this movie where the mom was upset that the rotisserie chicken was gone. Oh, because- of course. If that was me and I worked a night shift and I came back ready to dive in to some rotisserie and it's gone. 
or or even worse if needy just put it back in the fridge with like the scratches taken out of it of the, sh- the shredding of the chicken that <laughs> that jennifer was doing mm-hmm. oh i would have burst into tears Oh, you know, you know, she came back hungry, too. You know, because she had explicit directions not Mm. to touch that rotisserie chicken. Not to touch it. And you know what? Nothing makes me cry more than looking forward to food and it not being there. I went I had a muffin once that I was saved all day long to eat. For when I came home, I came home, I warmed the muffin up, I put the butter on it, I went to go take a bite and it slips out of my hands. No. And my and my dog jumped on it immediately. No. And I burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like 17 years old at the time that, that happened. I wasn't a child. I want to make that very clear. I was like, I was about to graduate from high school. And this Mimi's Cafe Muffin destroyed my entire day. (laughs) Look, all right, that shit ain't no joke. Like, granted, this movie has a ton of fatalities, but the hardest one, (laughs) the hardest one for me may have been that rotisserie chicken. chicken. I got to be real. The chicken. Yeah. (laughs) What a waste. What a shame. Forget about all the boys. Forget about the boys. talk about that chicken. chicken? (laughs) But, okay. Um... Roshane. Yes. I am wanting to know desperately, anxiously. Yes. yes. What's in your notebook? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Give me one second to open it up and I'll look you <laughs> <in. laughs> Okay. So my first note was, you know, I think Anita must be part Spartan with the way she punted that nurse across the room. <laughs> Was the first thing I wrote down because that kick shook me. Um, mm-hmm. Let me let me quickly say I mentioned it before. I've only ever watched this movie one time, and that was a long time ago. Probably back in like 2009. Honestly, mm-hmm. was the last time I've seen this movie. So uh, the only thing that I remembered was the ending. Like I remembered, like I remembered what happened to like the main three people. And what happens in that pool, I remembered all of that, but the entire rest of the movie was a blur. <laughs> so color me surprised um, five minutes into this movie watching an orderly get sent clear across the room via the punt of our lead character, Needy. Um, yes. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> the powerful legs just tosses her. Hey, she said she was a across. kicker. She was not lying. She wasn't wrong. She even spelled it out for us. <laughs> just to really dive it in. And she was like, let me show you. Let me do a little show and tell for you guys. Yeah, immediately kicks a nurse. I, I think she's like just a nurse that's coming around and telling her that she needs to eat more than just a Pop-Tart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Needy's like, bitch, don't tell me what to eat. And kicks her across the room. Um, I mean, so, she yeah. kind of deserved it, trying to check what she's eating. Like, let the girl eat what she wants to eat. Why you? Yeah. Why are you over here all up in her diet? Like, it's your business. I if mean, she just wants to pop tart, and then yeah, it's like, and obvious. That's probably like the only thing good to eat mm-hmm. at that <laughs> at the correctional facility. I mean, I, she's in jail. Yeah, it's 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 jail. Although, but she's a minor, so I guess it is. Oh, but she's like in there with adults. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's ever like really clarified, but I also don't think it like matters that much, right? Like you get the no, idea from the opening is like she did some shit that got her here, 
And then the movie is essentially us going back in time via her narration to find out how she got where she was. Right. Um, right. Which so we is, have. That's oh, um, no, I was just saying like that setup is something that we've we've seen before, right? But I did actually think it worked for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a retrospective plot where we start at the end and then we go back to the beginning mm-hmm. and needy is narrating so as a result we know that needy survives which i think in a more serious movie might have been a con for me because i think that i i can't name you the movie but i feel like i have mentioned this before where sometimes having this kind of a narrative it it breaks some of that oh will they survive or won't they right and so you already come out knowing that at least this one person is going to make it through however in a black comedy like a uh which this is it i don't mind it because i wouldn't have expected needy to die anyway with this type of a movie because Mm -hmm. this is a horror comedy it's not a straight horror and so i don't mind that that tension is dispersed because it's not a scary movie to me anyway so the narration and it's funny because actually in black as night we had narration as well Mm -hmm. and we mentioned that that narration gave it a more juvenile more high school movie feeling Mm -hmm. and this is why because in this movie it works very well because it is a high school movie it's high school is such a huge part of this movie and so having narration works very well in this movie it makes a lot of sense and also it helps us i think be in needy's head quite a lot throughout the movie because the narration isn't just used at the beginning and the end in this one it's used all the way throughout yeah and i think it's kind of at this point it's a little commonplace i feel like when you have um like a leading lady in these kind of movies um especially for the high school crowd to do the narration thing um because i think it's something that we're very accustomed to i i think for instance we're talking about like resurgences right like sex in the city coming back i think is a prime example of like just like that Mm -hmm. uh, of that of that um that tactic working um the narration because i do think it's a great way of letting you into the character's head while still moving the story along right when it's done well i don't really mind it you know it can Mm -hmm. it can be bad doesn't always work but like we said in previous episodes like when you do the narration right and the narration adds something especially if like occasionally the narration throws a joke or something in there for me it helps lighten whatever the mood is of the of the movie and whatever the tone is right and i think this movie to me feels like a mixture of heathers mean girls and ginger snaps like it feels like those three movies mixed into a pot Mm -hmm. and for especially for mean girls which is funny since amanda seyfried is it wasn't mean (laughs) girls and is also in this Mm -hmm. but um it, it makes it feel like that it makes that the narration aspect more than anything make reminds me of mean girls but also this idea of having this one girl who's kind of you know the the star of the school although jennifer is very different than regina george mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it feels like a mixture of those three movies and i've seen some people compare it to carrie i don't necessarily agree i feel like people compare it to carrie just because jennifer gets powers and there's that whole thing at a 
that happens on the night of the dance and like her wearing that dress and levitating. Uh, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like the Carrie comparison is fully from that dress that she that, has on that during the dance. single scene of her just like lifting up, levitating while wearing that dress in blood. I could get Carrie from that. But at the same time, I think that's the only comparison you could make mm-hmm. um, to Carrie because they're such different. They're so different. And I'm like, I don't see it. <laughs> I simply do not see it. But that's true. Now I will give I'll give this movie this um before we've even dive too deep into it, is I do think the the subtext was a lot deeper than I remember it being. I remember mm-hmm. watching this movie and thinking it was very surface level back in the day, right? Like I remember watching it but not being like wowed by anything, just being like, Oh, okay, cool. Megan Fox horror movie. Bet. All right. Um, but this time watching it with a critical lens, I, I noticed more of the themes that they were incorporating into the story and like some of the things that they were trying to say in the conversations that they were trying to have. And I was like, wow, this movie is, um, a little bit more poignant than I think I gave it credit for back in the mm-hmm. day. I do think that they were really trying to tackle some interesting topics in this. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of metaphors in in this, which I guess you could also say, I I guess you could put that and say that that's kind of like Carrie in the sense of using unexpected powers or powers that someone can't is learning to control as symbolic of maybe someone coming into womanhood or, you know, a change within a woman. But at the same time, I think. I that's why I feel like it, it is a better comparison to make to Ginger Snaps than anything else. Okay. But yes, there's a lot going on in this movie that mm. when you and and I will say I think that's why this movie is very good on a rewatch because the first watch of it is more in just kind of like a entertaining thing mm-hmm. and then upon rewatch you might see some other things that you won't wouldn't pick up on the first time yeah um, and i would say definitely as a high schooler in 2009 straight male um i was watching this movie 99 percent because megan fox was hot let's just put that out there because i know i was not the only one that was clamoring to see this movie just because of how unrealistically attractive Megan Fox is. Um, okay, even rewatching it, it, I was like, girl, that's not fair. That's like not fair to the rest of the world. Let's keep it 100. Megan Fox is a beautiful woman. And mm-hmm. if we're going to, let's, while we're on the subject, let's talk a little bit about the the mismarketing of this film. Agreed. Um, because this is something we've mentioned before that happens a lot with, I think, A24 movies, but also M. Night Shyamalan movies as the years have gone on. And that was a huge negative that plagued this movie is it was mismarketed to the fucking maximum degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as a result, a lot of people went into this movie expecting one thing and were probably very confused or disappointed by the product that they received. Mm-hmm. And after going back and rewatching the trailer, can't blame them yeah. because it's so obviously, and this is something that Diablo, Cody, and also Megan Fox talk about a lot now, is that the way that they did the, tr- they were marketing this so heavily based on trying to glorify Megan Fox as a sex symbol Mm -hmm. and build off of that 
like snowball off of that effect. I think they're really banking on her. Oh, hell yeah. This, this was Sex Sells the trailer. It was straight yeah. up, <laughs> come watch this sexy Megan Fox kind of horror movie. Yeah, come check it out. That is the trailer in three sentences or less. Yeah, they were basically like Megan's body. I mean, Jennifer's body. <laughs> it's like, okay, thank you for letting us know Megan Fox is in this. And of course, she's beautiful. But they rely so heavily on that to bring in a certain demographic. But also, if you go back and rewatch the trailer, it they make it seem much more of a straightforward horror movie mm-hmm. than it is. There's none of the comedy and none of the tongue-in-cheek and none of the diet like the wittier diablo cody-esque dialogue is in the trailer Mm -hmm. they are very much playing it as if it is a straight horror movie that's going to be really sexy leaning really sexy but also really leaning into this oh megan fox is a sexy hot creature now and she's killing boys and then you watch the movie and yes that's an aspect of it but, but it's not, not as much as you would think it is. Going no, it's like almost a, like like a subplot um, to what's actually happening as well. And I think one of the bigger, not not bigger, but one thing that was really upsetting going back and watching the trailer too is like watching the trailer. So I watched the trailer after rewatching the movie. So I had already seen the movie and I went back to watch the trailer um, on your word being like, yo, you got to rewatch that trailer. Mm-hmm. Rewatching it, I thought that they really did a disservice to the character that Megan Fox was playing in this movie because her character is a lot deeper than that. Like, yes, she's a beautiful woman, but that is only a part of of the full conversation that they're having about this Jennifer character within it. And like, I, I do find that disappointing that they marketed the movie that way. Um, but like you said, I also see why people went into this movie thinking it was going to be one thing and then being blindsided by the fact that it's this, you know, kind of high schooly dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, though granted with, uh, with, the screenplay being done by Diablo Cody, I feel like more people should have realized that it was going to lean this way. Um, I know when I watched this movie, I did not know that it was from the writer of Juno the first time. So like, I never made that connection, but like as an adult now looking at it, I was like, Oh, I saw who wrote it. And I was like, okay, there's, there's, there's comedy in this. There's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be funny in places. And it's, but it's funny because I think and, and the, the trailer is like a minute and 40 seconds long. Mm-hmm. And I remember after watching this, rewatching the trailer, I was like, that felt like it was 30 seconds long. And it's because they don't give any information. It's all cut scenes of Jennifer doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like voiceover of Needy saying some lines throughout the movie. And then they also throw in some scenes that aren't, it didn't make the final cut to kind of fill in the information a little bit and to throw in a couple of Diablo Cody line-esque lines it's like they felt like they needed to be like oh and remember this is the writer from juno so like here's maybe what you're looking for because honestly that's why i wanted to see the movie i really really liked juno i liked the style that she wrote in at the time and so i was excited to see this movie because i knew she was the writer but i do remember seeing the trailer and thinking oh this is totally different than what juno was but i like horror 
So I'm excited to see her do a horror movie. Like mm -hmm. that was my big thing. And so then all I liked it, but I was like, oh, this is kind of this is more like Juno than than I was expecting it to be. And I think, you know, you're coming off of her writing Juno and that was such a big success. You're coming off of Megan Fox being in Transformers mm -hmm. and her being the sexy part of Transformers. And so I feel like the studio was leaning into oh we're playing we're gonna go off of what did well for your guys' last projects and we're gonna use that as the the pull in instead of saying hey we're gonna use the merit of this movie so people know what they're gonna get and just trusting that that would be okay mm -hmm. it's like they could not trust in that at all so they were like we're gonna use the success of these past movies that both of you guys were in and we're just gonna use what they did yeah even though the trailer of juno was like a thousand times better than what they did for <laughs> for jennifer's body but right and i know like we're not we're kind of navigating this talk um as people assuming most people have seen this movie or have already seen the trailer right but for people that haven't actually watched this movie yet um that is something to keep in mind as if you are basing whether or not you want to watch the movie off of the trailer don't just don't <laughs> you're better yeah. off just not watching the trailer and just jumping directly into the movie oh definitely it's um i mean if you want to do like we did and watch the movie and then maybe go back and rewatch the trailer i definitely do think it's interesting yeah it's, it's co two completely different vibes it's interesting to compare but i think for like preparing yourself to actually watch it it, it may or may not do a disservice for you it, it depends on just how you watch trailers and whether or not that means anything to you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but kind of circling back around, uh, I'm kind of curious, how did you feel about our base dynamic here between Needy and Jennifer? Like, how, how did you like them as a pairing? How did you like them as friends? Like, what, were, what was your vibe on that? I like it. I like it a lot. I, and, and their relationship really is the heart of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, their relationship plays... A, such a huge role and actually this is more needy's movie than it is jennifer's yeah, although that, she that's... is the title of the film and the base of the plot this is really needy's story yeah and jennifer is just an aspect of that story a big aspect but still right. aspect of her story yeah of her yeah and i love that they play with these two female characters who are best friends but their relationship is really give and take but not equally mm -hmm. it's a lot of give from needy and a lot of take from jennifer which is a very realistic situation i yeah. think everybody Especially in high school i yeah i was just gonna say i think everybody in high school has had a friendship like that where you feel as though you are the one who is is giving everything to this one person but not who is not reciprocating but at the same time because that's all you've ever known in that relationship it doesn't feel strange mm -hmm. until you maybe see things from the outside in and which is why i think chip is so important in this yeah. story is because he is that outside perspective to say hey this is your guys's relationship is not great mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know what's going on here <laughs> um but it's funny that I, I think as the movie goes on, mm -hmm. we really see from Needy that she is dad, like she's 
flipping back and forth between Jennifer is her best friend and she loves her. But there's almost a sense of does Needy want to be Jennifer or does she want to be with Jennifer? Mm -hmm. Because there's this admiration from Needy for Jennifer that I that I also think can be really true for a lot of people, especially when you have a relationship like a very close relationship with someone of the same sex and you're going through these years of your life where like you are coming into your sexuality and maybe experimenting and things are changing and you're feeling different of am do I love this person and I just really admire them and I want to emulate the type of person that they are or do I love this person and I want to be with this person and I feel like needy is kind of going through a transition with that and trying mm -hmm. to figure out how her feelings with Jennifer or how what her feelings with Jennifer are and navigating that. But then at the same time with Jennifer, she needs Needy to be to be all about her. Like her existence with Needy is that she needs Needy to kind of be on her beck and call and to and to idolize her in that way and put her on a pedestal in that way. And when she doesn't have that, it really messes up her standing in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it does make her really insecure or feel like really weird about things, even if she doesn't want to admit it. As much as she likes to act like needy is the one who is needy mm -hmm. it, it's kind of the opposite jennifer needs needy to be jennifer yeah and that was one of the things i was uh hinting at before is like i like that they actually explored that a little bit and that whole dynamic between you know like the popular girl and her best friend who maybe isn't as well known or isn't as admired as as they are right like mm -hmm. usually that popular it, it doesn't have to be girls either it's just usually that popular person will have like that close friend or like that kind of sidekick in a way it doesn't matter what happens in the popular person's life as long as they have that person to fall back on like it almost boosts their confidence to allow them to have this persona that they show to everyone um, it allows them to adopt that because they know that no matter what happens, you know, they've got this person in their back pocket that's always got their back. And I love that, like, you know, later on in the film when we see what happens after the bar situation and we get that brief period of time where Jennifer is not with Needy, we get to see how vulnerable she actually is and how much she does rely on her best friend to be her rock in a way. Like she puts on this front of being the super strong and like everybody loves me. Um, I'm the most confident person in the room persona. Right. But then the moment when she doesn't have her rock with her um, and granted, she's in a very sketchy situation as well. But it's it's really interesting to just see the flip there and seeing the the amount of needy that is actually in Jennifer and how. A lot of people think that they don't have very much in common, but it may be a surface level thing. Like there may be more in common between these two characters than most people would realize. Mm -hmm. And especially, too, because in the end, we see the one thing that throws Jennifer off of her guard is when Needy rips the best the BFF necklace off. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things where. Jennifer just always assumed that Needy would be there and yeah. that no matter what happened, she could rely on Needy to be 
to just kind of do whatever she needed her to do. And although up to this point, Needy has been resisting that, I still think that part of Jennifer thought it doesn't matter because she loves me so much. She's going to ride with me through this. And mm-hmm. so it kind of is irrelevant. Yeah. And then you finally have this moment where Nini's like, no, fuck you. Like, you're not a good friend and we're not friends anymore. And I think that really does shake Jennifer because she doesn't have, even if guys come and go, I she was always relying that Needy would be a confidence booster for her at all times. Mm-hmm. And now that's gone. And right. it th- completely like throws her off. And I will also say, too, despite the fact that I now have a hard time believing either of these two girls to be high schoolers at their age, um, I do think they play the high school sensibility very well, actually, where there are are certain times for me plot wise where one of them will make a choice or like do something or say something that I'm okay with it because I'm like, yeah, a high schooler would say or do or like make that mistake, you know, where like mm-hmm. those moments of vulnerability are just not knowing what the fuck they're doing. We've all been there. We've all we've all been in that place where like we're trying to navigate some stuff that we're way too young to be navigating. And although the the actresses may look a little bit older, I do think they still played that innocence and vulnerability very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think especially for I think I'm. Amanda Seyfried is awesome. I love her. I just love her and everything that she does. But I think she's really, really great in this movie. And I think she does a really good job of playing that kind of unsure and uncertain kind of, yeah, high school mentality where she doesn't really know what to do. And she almost pretends like everything, not everything is okay because she knows that things are wrong. But she definitely puts off nailing down that something is wrong for much longer than maybe you would if you were an adult. Like she Mm -hmm. continues to live in this mindset of "Eh, everything's fine, everything's okay. And I love that part where her mom is talking to her and she says, well, you know, one day you're gonna be you're gonna call for me and I'm not gonna be there to help you. Mm -hmm. And then we do get that later where after Jennifer jumps on the car and she runs into her house and she's like screaming for her mom and her mom's not there. Mm-hmm. And then from that moment on, she starts to take it upon herself to try and fix things and maybe try and take on Jennifer mm-hmm. in in, a, in any way that she can or any way that she knows how, even though she's still really unsure of how to proceed. And even though she's really aware that no one's gonna believe her so this Mm -hmm. is kind of a thing that she's gonna have to do on her own and also and for amanda seyfried i've seen some people who say oh you know she's not i don't buy her as the unattractive friend and that's fair because i she is a beautiful woman but i think what it is is I don't necess- I don't think that needy is meant to be unattractive. But I do think and and I'm speaking from my perspective and I feel like a lot of women have felt the same. There simply is just always somebody within your friend group who is gorgeous and who you just know that is who will be hit on if you go do something, if you're out and about that you it, you are not the 
you are not the focus like they are the focus they are just that person that everybody's attention flocks to i think everyone has had a friend like that and i just feel like that's the situation with needy and jennifer it's not that needy is ugly or unattractive in any way which we see because people like her people are attracted to her it's just more so that in the dynamic of their friend group jennifer is the moment and that is just how it is because i i think that's even demonstrated in the bar scene is low shoulder they refer to needy as jan brady and then they refer to jennifer as like i don't know the pig queen of the town or something because yeah she's hot but she's the hottest person in this little town like that's the way that it is so I don't feel like she's ever meant to be like non-attractive and I feel like that's also where people get Carrie from but it's like needy is not Carrie by any means <laughs> yeah I agree with that and it was funny is I actually had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the script for this movie where I love the way that the script was written plot wise and especially watching it a second time I thought a lot of the narrative made a lot more sense than I remember it making. I just wasn't a huge fan of the quirky dialogue this time around. <laughs> I got to be honest. And I don't know how much of that was the dialogue itself wasn't good to me or how much of that is just me becoming a grumpy, jaded adult and not liking quirky high school conversation anymore. Because <laughs> um, I do feel like the characters spoke like high schoolers. I do think that mm -hmm. they had that air about them. I just, there were some lines where I just was rolling my eyes. I was like, ugh, I hate this. <laughs> it's very, like I said, it's very Diablo Cody-esque, which is off-putting to some people and then works well for other people. And even me, like I, like I said, I was a huge fan of Juno when that movie mm -hmm. first came yeah, out. Yeah, same. I love Juno. Even, even though I, that was the case, there are lines in that movie, and even when I watched it when I was younger, there are lines in that movie that I did not think were funny. I thought were just really ridiculous. And though they fit in that world, and though they made sense in you know in that script with the characters that were saying them, a lot of the lines in that movie I'm not a huge fan of, but they don't deter me from the acting in the story. This movie, I feel very similarly about. Mm -hmm. Makes sense in the world, makes sense for the character. And yes, it rings true for high schoolers. Because even like the way that Diablo Cody wrote back then, nobody at my high, and maybe there are were high school kids out there talking like that. Nobody at my high school talked like that. Like those were things that we picked up after watching these movies and became right. part of our vernacular from these movies, but nobody spoke like that in the first place but that's why it reminds me of like heathers and mean girls because you have these movies where they speak in such a certain way and then like that influences the real world and how we talk mm -hmm. but i know what you mean there are lines in this movie that do not even get a smile out of me but <laughs> <laughs> but they work and most of them come from jennifer and i have to give it to megan fox because i do think that she delivers them yeah. very well mm -hmm. but yeah they're not like my favorite lines and and uh, they happen and i'm just like okay 
let's keep we can move on from now <laughs> yeah it's true no it is very very true especially after like you know getting to like what i watched this movie before going to art school or anything like that so the concept of trying to make lines work even if they sound weird was never a thing that i thought about before um but watching this yeah every character delivers every line honestly and earnestly and i respect them for that um, mm -hmm. Whether or not I like the lines is a whole different thing entirely, but right. each character says them from from themselves and they feel real and genuine. And like that, I respect I do respect that. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember that like after this movie came out, I remember everybody saying like, you're so lime green jello. <laughs> and you don't even know it. Like, I remember that line being a thing that mm -hmm. really picked up when at like with people that I knew at my school but yeah it's it works for the the movie and the the universe mm -hmm. and some of them are some of them are are awesome did i write down any i don't think i did but i will say <laughs> um just as a character thing jk simmons in this is so good he's so good he's i didn't even realize it so was him funny <laughs> i did not even realize it was him until looking at the imdb afterwards i was like he's no that, fucking way that he's was got that hair, he's cut that hair piece on the hair piece the claw arm bruh yeah he's this man is a chameleon he is so fucking funny in this movie and he has some of my favorite lines in my favorite moments um <laughs> him outside the car hey, yeah, let, let, let it, it out, out. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the funniest and it's i think this is a testament to the writing is you have this horrible situation at the beginning of the movie where the bar that they're in that jennifer and needy go to see the band and burns down and mm -hmm. it's this huge tragedy within the town and i love the speech that he gives <laughs> when after like when everybody's back in school mm -hmm. and he's like we lost a lot of lives in what does he say like even our foreign exchange student Ahmet <laughs> like what <laughs> and he's like in our beloved in our beloved, beloved Spanish, Spanish teacher, teacher. <laughs> this is a dark dark day for a devil's kettle Believe me, you, I have lived through some, some pretty heavy stuff. We lost eight precious students, including Ahmed from India, several parents, and our beloved Spanish teacher, Senorita Erickson. No way, Erickson ain't shit. Now more than ever. Put aside your teenage concerns about who's a cool dude or who's a hoe. We can't let that damn fire win. God bless you, kids. <laughs> it's just like the way that he <laughs> that he says the line, the delivery that he gives for those lines and the cuts that they keep doing to all of the kids. And then that guy just starts crying. I don't, everything about the timing of everything in that scene mm -hmm. is 
fantastic. And J.K. Simmons is such a small role in this movie, but every time that he was on screen, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know what class he teaches, but I believe that he teaches it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that's also that's a that's a testament to to Karen Kusama as well. Um, who mm-hmm. I know for a fact I was not familiar with initially when watching this movie. Um, and I, especially after we covered The Invitation, I realized I really enjoy her directorial style. Um, and I think she has a great um, feel for pacing, in my opinion. I think that's one of one of her strengths um, as far as the films from her that I've seen. As I always feel like they move along at the right pace. Everything mm-hmm. seems to go when it needs to go. And I think that really helps in a black comedy like this because timing is key when it comes to comedy. So um, if the pacing of things is not well, uh, a lot of the jokes and a lot of the the softer, funnier moments don't land. And I think a lot of them do land because the movie is shot very well. And I think that the melding of the script and what we see was done in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they do a a great job of landing those moments, and you're right. A, th- a lot of it is what they do with the shots because another moment, and and they do a great job of balancing the more these moments that could easily be very emotional or serious or upsetting. They do a good job of cutting comedy in with them to keep things light mm-hmm. because. There is a lot of stuff happening in this movie that could potentially, like I said, there's a huge fire that like kills a bunch of people in the mm-hmm. very beginning of this movie. And it could be, and and things like that can really bring a movie down, make it feel, not bring it down, but make it feel more dramatic um, and bring it down to that more serious tone. But I think they do a very good job of con- consistently keeping that black comedy feel to it. Cause it's like, you have this crazy thing that happens and then it cuts outside and Adam Brody's character just comes out of nowhere drinking a beer. And he's yeah. like, Oh, so glad you guys got out. <laughs> he's like, damn, that's a tragedy back there. Yeah. Ain't it? Like what? Can we talk about how Nikolai ain't shit? Can we can we spend a moment to talk Nikolai about how ain't shit Nikolai is? Is truly not shit. And he is and we say that in bold because he's simply trash. He's actually the worst fucking person. And you know what's also terrible is like he's the worst person. But he's charming, and I fucking hate that. I absolutely, like, even when he's doing the worst shit, when he's literally committing murder, he's still charming about it. I'm like, fuck you. How dare you? He is like, look, if any, if anybody had the audacity to kill me while singing a Tommy Two-Tone song, (laughs) I would come back and kill, I would have to haunt them. Like, how dare you? It's Her so name is not Jenny. It's Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so disrespectful. But it it that premise is so good in this movie. Like, it's the perfect thing they could have done. How ridiculous of a situation and how silly of a thing to make her into this succubus type creature. Mm-hmm. But it makes so much sense. It makes it's like, so it makes much sense. So much sense. And I love that it's just, yeah, 
these guys took me out into the woods and s- tried to sacrifice me so that they could get a, a record deal <laughs> so their indie band could blow up. <laughs> like, what? It just, it's so silly, but I love that it is that way. And that's just kind of it. Like, that's just kind of the thing it was. And nobody questions it. Nobody thinks that it's weird that they did that. And I like I think that that was really cool to use a band as that because one thing that i loved about juno Mm -hmm. is the soundtrack of it Mm -hmm. i think was so great in that movie i actually bought it i actually bought the cd (laughs) the soundtrack because i loved it so much and that is a continuation into jennifer's body is diablo cody I don't know, and I don't know how much, I mean, I know for Juno's, Juno she did, but I don't know for this movie how much of a say she had with the the soundtrack, Right. but I love the music that they used in this because it completely fits the, the tone of the film, it fits the setting and the atmosphere and the characters. Every band that is in this movie is great, but then you have this band in this, Low Shoulder, who their song that pops off after mm-hmm. that happens becomes almost like a theme throughout this movie mm-hmm. and i love that i think that was so smart to use their music and this song as like a backdrop a continuation and a reminder that because of this horrible thing that they'd done they are now successful yeah. and everything's Which, going great for them yeah that's what that's the thing is like it's such a well, it, it's a weird villain, right? The group of them. Yeah. But it's such a well-written villain for this movie because they do this horrible thing. Like, they they sacrifice her to blow up and then they blow up. Like, it actually works. And you have to spend the entire movie thinking that they get away with it. And I love that they do that. I love that we have all this stuff going on between Needy and Jennifer and like uh, dealing with Jennifer's changes and like needy having to like deal with everything that's happening. And then every, you know, half an hour or so we get a reminder that, Oh yeah, those guys that totally killed her. Yeah. They're doing great. They're doing Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, I think that was so smart to write it that way. And then also using the concept of just like, um for a demonic ritual you sacrifice a virgin what happens if you sacrifice somebody who's not a virgin like what happens there it's such a simple twist on an age-old idea right but Mm -hmm. for this movie it really works and it's such a it's such a logical setup for the rest of the movie yeah it, it definitely does and i i enjoy that you don't really know what happened that night until like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a miss in some movies, but in this one, it works because what happened for the most part is kind of irrelevant to the situation right. and t- until later on when we find, because we already know that low shoulder had to have had some kind of a hand in it. And we know that it's bad, mm-hmm. but I think the the nice thing about this and it not happening until later is because up until this point, I think we've seen one side of Jennifer. Mm-hmm. We've always seen her as really confident and 
really in charge and really powerful. And so then when you finally get that scene of what happened to her, we finally really get to see her more vulnerable side. Mm -hmm. And then it's after that that we kind of get to scratch more under her surface. It, we take there's a change in her character after that. Yeah, we really 100%. do because we we've seen her vulnerable side and now we're seeing her insecurities. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because you feel Jennifer now, even though she's a demon now, she feels more human than ever mm-hmm. because we've gotten to see behind the facade of, oh, everything's great and I'm beautiful and I'm fine. And I think that, you know, this movie is called Jennifer's Body. And for a character who is really seen as, it's interesting because Megan Fox is seen as such a sex symbol, even now. I mean, more people are recognizing that she's more than that now because she's starting to come out and talk about her experiences a lot more but back then especially she was really seen as a pretty face in a in a banging body Mm -hmm. and then you have this movie about this girl who really it's kind of jennifer is kind of that same thing everybody sees her as all the guys at least see her as this beautiful girl with this hot body and she does use her body as a as a powerful tool for her to get what she wants. And then she changes and now her body is a vessel for this Mm -hmm. demon. But so now it's being used still just in a different way. And I just think that it's so interesting that her character really is this, you know, used as this, this vessel and this shell and that's what everybody sees of her but then you have needy who is the one person who has always seen more from her mm-hmm. and now needy is like being shut out from from her because obviously you know jennifer is not jennifer anymore yeah but yeah i just i i like when they do that reveal i think it makes sense in the story and it helps it helps it switch and you really do see that jennifer is like she even feels like maybe that's all like she has to be beautiful and pretty Mm -hmm. and maybe that's all that matters right yeah i i wrote that down honestly that i was so happy that jennifer just blatantly tells her what happens like i like that we don't have to spend the entire movie trying to dissect okay what happened that night what happened that night i love that she's like oh no here's what happened i'll straight up tell you um because i think all it does is just add things like it just adds to the story just adds even more layers like you said one to her character but then also the situation as well you're like oh shit um this is kind of this is kind of a screwed up place Mm -hmm. to be and like it even lets you despite at this point when the reveal happens we've basically seen jennifer just kind of be a bitch to needy and then also murder a bunch of dudes so like i feel like you're already having your preconceived notions about her and then this scene drops and then you almost like pity her in a way because of the situation that happened and you know what became of her because of that i think it was very smart to have the half like a little bit past halfway point though just to like give you that next layer of Jennifer's character because now it gives you something to fight against the things that you'd seen previously like now she's not just this 
murderous creature going through. It's like it's there's still Jennifer in there. It's just because of what happened to her. She has a new thing that she has to deal with within herself. Um, I also really liked how they handled the idea of her possession, too, because like she is possessed, but she's also still herself. Mm hmm. And, like, she's also still a teenage girl. And I think I like that more than it just being a demon that's controlling her. Yeah, it's like she's still worried about homework and, like, you know, looking nice at school and and things like that are still things that are on her mind. Mm -hmm. But she also now has to worry about, okay, when do I get to eat a guy again and get strong and feel good again yeah and, i love the way oh, she and, talks about it, where she's just like yo i'm like a fucking x-men right now like i can't yeah. die like do you see this shit because i'm like i feel like that is how a high schooler would react if they got murdered and then woke up and was like mm -hmm. oh i'm alive <laughs> yeah it kind of reminds me it's like uh that movie chronicle mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. the yeah where they get those powers and it's like yeah you would if you were that age it, you would be that would be empowering and something cool and you wouldn't think oh my god this is so bad no you're invincible now you can do whatever you want and i feel like that's so much more important in, in that moment for her is just the newfound power and exhilaration that she feels because she even said after she eats she's like oh my god i feel amazing this is like the best i've ever felt mm -hmm. that high is so much more important than the fact that oh i have to kill someone every so often to do it or like oh i'm eating people now like that's not a big deal mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the feeling how that you good get i from feel it. after yeah. doing it yeah and like this idea of like oh my god i'm gonna live forever i can do whatever i want and nothing's ever going to happen to me. It's mm -hmm. that feeling of invincibility that you already feel as a kid times a thousand. Mm -hmm. No, a hundred percent. And I also like too in that bit that they they've been trickling it through the movie at that point. But I love that they introduce this idea of just how strong of a friendship Jennifer and Needy really have. And although it a lot of times seems very one sided for needy, like you can tell that Jennifer does need needy, mm -hmm. um, especially with that one line that she gives where she's like, I don't know what happened, but then I woke up and I just found my way to you. Like you were the thing mm -hmm. that I remember, like the moment I woke up, I have to go to needy. And I thought that was a really soft and precious moment of just her like being open and admitting that as like. Yeah, that, no, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I could, like, even though I was already of the mindset of, like, fuck, I want to hurt and eat someone to, to, you know, regain my strength, I couldn't do it to you. Like, mm -hmm. even though you were the first person that I saw in my new demonic state, um, you're my best friend. There's no way I could have honestly done that to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that J Jennifer you know, really does like having Needy there. I don't think the, re you know, and, and there is probably a lot of that that is just that she enjoys her company, but there's still that sense of, oh, I just like having Needy always with me and always kind of there for me type of a thing. But, and then you, I, I do think that those insecurities and stuff that she has about Needy 
are always there and they just get amplified when she becomes the succubus is because you know that like it makes her more irritable it makes her stronger it like it seems like it multiplies her emotions yeah things that are already possessed like yeah oh for sure it's like with needy you know she all she's never she's always been a bit more of a, a gentle person but then when she's gets those powers she becomes much more aggressive and mm-hmm. it's the same thing with jennifer and so i think that that's why when i think before with jennifer and chip that they both always have this tug of war with needy mm-hmm. because for jennifer she always wants needy there so needy having a boyfriend that's manipulating her time is probably not something that jennifer is fond of mm-hmm. but it's the same way for chip he he gets frustrated because needy is kind of on jennifer's beck and call she'll do whatever she wants to do mm-hmm. and that's frustrating for him and so i feel like when she becomes you know possessed and everything she yeah she kind of has this element of herself where it seems like if anybody like she kind of likes like she likes picking at needy a little bit and so anybody that needy is like oh yeah that's a cool person it seems like she goes after that person but at the same time i do think that that is a lot of her jealous that maybe needy likes someone more than or as much as she likes Jennifer. Yeah, because it's, it's almost like a defense mechanism where it's like, I need to break you down so that you don't feel strong enough to potentially leave me someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, I don't want you to have any other friends. Like, like, I feel like that's with the situation with Colin, unfortunately. Yeah, is oh, she Colin, probably, I, fell, I fell for Colin, yeah, I really did. It's very unfortunate because she probably would have let him go, but because Needy said, Oh, I like him. He's a cool guy. Blah, 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 blah. Then Jennifer was like, oh, you like him? Like, oh, he's your friend too. And it almost feels like she doesn't want Needy to have any other friends besides or anybody else to rely on besides her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very true. And like, you can kind of tell that too. Like at first she's, you know, her targets are more, she just needs the nourishment to get her power back. But then you can see her getting a lot more specific about her targets later on and their relationship to Needy um, as she's like slowly, you know, thinning the herd of people that Needy could potentially leave her for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that sucks because like a, a lot of it, is like needy and the people that she's you know somewhat or very close to just getting caught up in the whirlwind of you know jennifer's appetite at that point um like i i think that uh chip i you know i didn't remember much about chip but like watching it again i was like man chip you really had a hard time during this whole ordeal like you were really trying to you know be a boyfriend you were a little horny my guy i get it you're in high school um, but at the same time, like he was like putting, trying to put myself in his shoes there of like, I have this girlfriend who does not want or is prioritizing this other person over me, but he's kind of in his own way come to accept this. Right. And then as soon as shit starts hitting the fan, watching that, um, watching that relationship deteriorate it's like it, it's rough and even like when we get towards the end with like the final conflict and everything like that you can see that he does care for her 
Um, and he is broken up about the situation. And he's also like young as fuck. He doesn't know how to handle the situation that he's in, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of sucks for him. And then Colin, I, I just really feel for Colin because I, <laughs> I saw I saw some of myself in Colin. I really did. <laughs> I feel like if you were to like take a take a microscope and go inside Roshane and like look for my inner person. It it probably is a little similar to Colin, and he gave one of my favorite fucking lines, which is the when he invites her out on the day to like go see Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror mm -hmm. Picture Show, and she's like, "I don't like boxing movies," and he immediately just like, "It's not a, you know what? Fuck this!" Like yeah. I loved that reaction because that is the appropriate reaction to anybody who would say that <laughs> when you talk about watching Rocky Horror Picture Show, like. But I mean, at the same time, it's like if you're not into that kind of stuff know, and I you're bored, <laughs> like, why would Jennifer know what Rocky Horror Picture just, Show? In that moment, he said exactly what I thought in my head. Um, I actually wanted to uh, to ask you something. You want to know if I'll go out with you? No. <laughs> yeah. What? I. I don't. How did you? How did you just know? go ahead with the pitch. Um, well, we've been having a lot of fun in class, you and I, and I thought that maybe you'd like to go see a movie or something. There's a uh, midnight showing of Rocky Horror at the Bijou next weekend. I don't like boxing movies. Yeah, but it's not, it's not a fucking boxing movie. Um, fuck it. Okay, forget it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Colin, I like you. I know you're going to die, but like, damn, I kind of like you after that line. Yeah, but he unfortunately gets ripped to shreds. Gets absolutely sliced and diced, unfortunately. Yeah. I, 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 I also, do. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, too, with him, I also, but like, I did like his character. Outside of seeing some of myself in him, I did like that he um, challenged a couple ideas. Um, while he was alive. I especially like the line like right before he dies where he's like, you know, she's getting ready to like have sex with him or whatever as far as he knows. And he like stops he stops for a second. He's like, Do you even know my last name? Like mm -hmm. that that humanity that he actually brings, because I think like because of the way he presents himself, you just have all these ideas about him. But then like the little time we get to spend with him, you're like, oh. There's more to you than I thought. And I think a lot of the characters are like that. Like, the more time you spend with each character, the more you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that there was that much to you. I, I really had a surface-level idea for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's... I think that's why, too. I think it was smart to have this as a high school story. And partly I mentioned, you know, high school is a time when a lot of people are becoming more sexual and coming into their sexuality and experimenting and you know having all of these feelings come up and really leaning into that and i think it was smart to have it in high school because there's this element of jennifer post post being sacrificed when mm -hmm. you almost think oh well she is um a succubus now so she maybe she has some power over people and she can lure them in but it doesn't really seem like that it just seems like she is using teenage horniness to her advantage mm -hmm. and using what she already has to 
just kind of, you know, real people in in that moment, because a lot of these guys, they do have moments where they step back and they're not totally entranced by by it. They they do have moments where they're they're like, this is weird or or something about this feels weird. But their horniness will always kind of supersede. Yeah. We're numb, especially when we get attracted to somebody. Uh, we're like, oh, yeah. Sure, I'll do I'll do the thing. Whatever you want. Uh-huh. Um, even when you realize it's like that's probably not a good idea. Um, especially well, in high school, especially with all those hormones raging. Well, and they also play on this idea of everybody in the movie assumes that it's a guy doing these things. Couldn't mm-hmm. possibly be a girl. So the none of them feel weird about Jennifer and being in these situations with her because a, she's a classmate. She's someone that they know mm-hmm. and trust. And B, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm about to have sex. Cool. Yeah, with Great. Jennifer? Oh, shit. Okay. Great. This is fantastic. So none of them think think that things are weird besides the fact that most that they think that it's weird that all of a sudden now Jennifer is into them. I think that's the one thing that they all have in common where they're like, why are you? hitting on me right now at first Mm because she obviously went for a very specific type of person which we get a little bit in the bar we see that she always kind of went for a very specific type of guy Mm -hmm. until she needed but just needed bodies and then she was just kind of going for whoever was available whoever was vulnerable whoever she could get alone Mm -hmm. that's true but i mean speaking of though i gotta give him credit the I'm glad that they kept the special effects kind of light and they actually found very creative ways of shooting the deaths and the murders, mm-hmm. but they're pretty gruesome. I give it to them. Like when people are getting ripped to shreds, they're getting ripped to shreds. Like speaking of our boy Colin, he his was rough because you get to see like you, you know, it's in silhouette. um, So you don't like see it, see it. But the imagery of it is still pretty gruesome. And then the bodies afterwards, when you see the practical effects of like what the bodies look like and what she's doing to these guys, you're like, damn, she is tearing them up. Mm-hmm. And Jonas is as well. He his is he's pretty destroyed. And also, can I just say, so the dad, Jonas's dad, mm-hmm. the actor that plays him for like five seconds is Bill, I'm not sure if I'm going to say his last name correctly, but Fagerbach, I think it might be, who is the voice of Patrick from SpongeBob. Is he really? So when he has that line, it's so (laughs) hilarious to me when he's like, I'm going to find you and I'm going to nail your balls to the wall because he sounds like Patrick. He sounds like Patrick Starr. I fucking miss that. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. I totally miss that. Go back and watch it. It's such a quick moment. It's like right after they're bringing his body out of the woods Mm -hmm. and the mom is crying and the the police officer comes over and she's like, we're going to find this guy. And he has like a little tiny monologue where he's just screaming about ripping that guy's balls off. Sounds just like Patrick. Ridiculous. (laughs) We will get the man. Did this keep sight? Hear me. 
myself. I will. You hear me, you bastard? I'll cut off your nutsack and nail it to my door! Like one of those lion door knockers rich folks got. That will be your balls! My name's not Rick! I gotta say that. Also, also, fucking Chris Pratt is in this movie. For two minutes. Fully <laughs> forgot about that. Had no idea he was in there until he popped up. I was like, is that Chris Pratt? Is he in here? Yeah, barely. He's barely in it. It's so random. It's like a he, he has like three lines and mm-hmm. then he dies. <laughs> presumably because we never see him again after the fire but i forgot he was in this too i was like (laughs) and he's high build like they put him in the pretty high up in the credits Mm -hmm. even though he is so irrelevant to the story in the grand scheme of things irrelevant yeah very much so but yeah i think this movie it's this is a sexual movie like there's a lot of emphasis put on the sexual nature of the people within this movie, particularly Jennifer, and especially too, I think it's it's so crazy that she like they the her sexuality in how if she's promiscuous or not is such a big element of this movie because even with the band, they only want her because she's a virgin. That's like the big deal mm-hmm. with her, and of course they're wrong, but it's every boy. Every male in this movie, Jennifer is a sexual being for them. Like, that's really all her character is for them. Mm -hmm. And then she is different for Needy because Needy is the main female protagonist besides from besides Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just think I just think that that is cool thing to look into because really Whatever Jennifer wants to do with her body is her business, but it's such a big deal in this movie. And I just always think that it's so interesting because I feel like it just it's parallel to Megan Fox's the the experiences that she's had in her career. And I just even though though the trailer does make it so sexual, it's actually even more so in the in the actual movie. So if anybody was going there because they wanted to see Megan Fox be sexy, like there are elements of that. But I think they call it out more in this movie and put more of a spotlight on like diving deeper into that than maybe people would have realized that it would. Like it's much more of a metaphor for women empowerment in this movie than just like, ooh, she's pretty and now she's on a motorcycle like <laughs> and like mm-hmm. it, it was in other movies for her. Yeah, I think the the exploration of like teens and sexuality is like a huge theme for this movie. And I love that they really explored a bunch of different facets of it, like in the time that we spend with these characters from like, you know, people having maybe their first time together to even um, characters experimenting with like the relationship between Needy and Jennifer and that question of like, oh, are they, is there like more to this than just friendship or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you can have your feelings about, but that 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 kiss scene was smoky. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it was supposed to go any further than that, but 
Any any thought of whether or not they were into each other uh, left my mind the moment that scene happened. I was like, no, nah, there's something here. There's it was something very here. steamy. I think there was originally supposed to be a sex scene. Oh, was there? I think so. But because uh, I think originally in the script, their relationship and the potential romantic relationship with them was explored more. Mm. And so I think there is a, a sex scene planned originally. And then when that aspect of their relationship got pared down it became more and since it became more nuanced i think diablo cody felt like them kissing made more sense than yeah i think i i think that wasn't like i don't think we actually needed a sex scene to be honest i think i think that that the what happens that night in her room i think is more than enough to lay the foundation for the romantic aspects of their relationship Mm -hmm. and i do like that it is explored as well because i think it gives more um uh more insight into why jennifer has this kind of like malice towards you know the people again who are potentially taking her away or taking needy away from her Mm -hmm. um because like not only does she have this long time relationship and friendship with her but there might be a romantic aspect to it as well and like the idea of losing her to someone else um, especially for demonic Jennifer is a, a nah, that ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's great. And I like too that they sort of explore this idea that Jennifer and Needy are connected because potentially maybe because Needy sucked out her blood when they were little kids. <laughs> or True. it's either that or because of the necklaces or whatever it is. Needy always has this feeling of she can always like kind of sense when Jennifer is around or if she's there. There's a moment when Jennifer comes to her house and Needy knows that she's there. And and Chip says, like, I don't know how you do that. So it's obviously something that happens a lot. But I do like that once Jennifer has power, that gets amplified as well. Mm-hmm. Because not only now, now Needy can sense, feel, see what Jennifer's seeing. She gets visions of what's happening with Jennifer. And even her losing, I think that's what's, I don't know if she was losing her virginity to Chip or if they had done it before. It's, I never really know if Needy is a virgin or not at, yeah. the, if, at the beginning of this. Cause it doesn't really, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal when they are, like it doesn't seem like a moment where she's like losing her virginity. So maybe yeah. they have done it before. It, but, it's kind of like played that way in a sense, yeah. like with a dynamic of things that are happening. But the conversation between Needy and Chip would lead you to think that they've already had sex. Right. So I'm not really sure. But even it, it is clear that Jennifer is consistently kind of bleeding into Needy's, Needy and Chip's relationship. And I think that it's also played well how you know they're having sex and all she can think of is jennifer because jennifer is killing someone (laughs) at the same time that she's having sex and how it you know continues to creep and basically after that is when needy and chip's relationship deteriorates Mm -hmm. but i always thought that that was also a nice touch of how connected they are and so even at the end when Needy absorbs some of Jennifer's power, it is because Jennifer bit her. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense that Needy would, Needy once again is like carrying a part of Jennifer forward. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was cool. I liked how that kind of retied together. Mm-hmm. Also, something that I thought of with this, this ending is... 
I feel like this is a perfect example of kind of what we spoke about last week, where if you guys have listened to our episode on Blackest Night, we kind of talked about how important a setting is to the events that are going on and they have to match each other. And in this movie, you have this huge battle sequence with, with needy and, and chip and Jennifer. And it, it feels like, like you, you, you see that area, this, this pool, this abandoned pool that they're in, and it does feel like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This is the, the big setting for the, the final battle, but it's not. We end up in Jennifer's bedroom, but it actually makes a lot of sense in this movie, and it fits really well in this movie because Chip is not, it, it always had to be about Needy and Jennifer, so having Chip out of the picture for the, f- the final battle makes a lot of sense, and I also think that it tracks tonally that everything would just kind of end in Jennifer's bedroom. It's Needy, it's Jennifer, in a bed that they probably had sleepovers in many, many times, and it's intimate. It's intimate and it matches this idea that it all boils back down to their friendship and their relationship. And so the smaller the scope, the better, I think, for this kind of a a final moment between them. So I actually really like that it ends up back in the bedroom. And I think that that's where these types of situations work when the setting holds a lot of emotional weight, huge um, area that they were fighting in previously. And I, I will say with when it, when it comes to Chip too, um, and like I did remember at some point that like that he gets lured in by Jennifer, right? Um, and the climax and everything. And I, I remember like thinking, yo, bro, you ain't shit, you know, for like going <laughs> after her best friend um, after they have their breakup and whatnot. But um, I could see where Chip was in a bit of a vulnerable place there, especially like after that sex scene too, because he never really gets like closure on that. He's just kind of a part of that moment Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really like know what happens until he like sees her again. And then she's like, by the way, uh, Jennifer's a demon, you know, like he, I, I think he's still trying to come to terms with the everyday high schooler aspect of life that they're dealing with. And he, in his head, doesn't have time for the demonic shit or what have you. But it made sense that he would have a moment of weakness when Jennifer lies to him and is like, oh, that's why she was so broken up is because she was sleeping with someone else the whole time. And Mm -hmm. like, I understand why he'd feel a little bit uh, vindictive after that. Right. Well, they also do a good job of planting those seeds because we see consistently throughout the movie that Chip is obviously jealous because Colin is always kind of making these little comments towards Needy. And I even thought that Colin had a crush on Needy. Mm-hmm. So I could see he keeps being jealous of their relationship. And yeah, Jen- but it's not Jennifer like knows fully unwarranted jealousy. No, no. He's just like, he's just is wondering what when they became friends and all this stuff and Colin keeps kind of popping up out of nowhere and so Jennifer knows the exact button to push Mm -hmm. to get him to feel some type of way I mean it's still crazy because the whole movie Chip like hates Jennifer but at the same point I mean he probably always 
recognize that she was a beautiful girl. He just hates her personality and he hates that he hates that she takes advantage of needy, um, which is fair. But I also do really like the part where they're in there and they're sitting at the pool and Jennifer is like, what did she say? She's like, I feel nothing or something. Yeah, it's like I feel nothing or like I feel empty or something like that. Yeah. And it's just another moment of like I like that we just get these times where you can tell that it's Jennifer and she's mm-hmm. feeling conflicted and upset about what is happening to her, which fair. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. are part demon now. That's probably not <laughs> anything you expected to happen in your true, high school true. years. But I just like that. I just like that line. And it's such an off the cuff line because it happens and then she immediately kind of brushes past it. Mm-hmm. But I I do like those moments where it's bits of Jennifer and especially at the end, it's like right after Needy kills her, you can see that it's Jennifer, mm-hmm. that she's her again. And I, I just like that because in the end, you're right. She is still in there. She just can't control yeah, she really can't. what she's doing anymore. Mm-mm, she can't control her. Like she's got like girls got to eat. Like it's true. <laughs> I did. I liked the. Um, I like what they did with the callback to the scene because we do before she dies. We do get to see that scene of Jennifer in her bed um, with somebody watching her before all of this shit goes down. And I like. I do actually like that they did that and that we came back to that scene with new context for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was a really smart play. I thought the whole her being seen murdering. Her best friend is a very smart way to get her into the jail that we initially have her in. Um, And that's what I mean with the script and why I actually really like the script is like, I feel like every time something happened, it pushed the story and the narrative forward to the next point that we needed to get to. Mm -hmm. And that I really like that. And I think with that ending, it's wild because if you think about it, with the way that things end, Needy is still taking the brunt of Jennifer what of Jennifer's actions Mm -hmm. because Jennifer is not going to get blamed for anything that happened it's all going to be put on needy Mm -hmm. and once again it's like Jennifer kind of gets away with being the the what is it the snowflake queen or whatever she was Mm -hmm. of this town of devil what is it devil's Devil's kettle. Devil, Devil's kettle. Yeah, yeah. Devil's kettle. She gets to be away with still being like the golden child of this place. And Needy is now, pro- you know, seen as the crazy friend who was probably, they're probably going to frame it as being like jealous of Jennifer or something and killed her. Mm-hmm. And still, too, and Needy is the one that gets revenge on Jennifer's behalf. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, she is still continually being there for her and taking the fall for her, even in death. Yeah. Or it's like, I, it, it, for me, I'm like, I understand why she would still get revenge because, like, oh, it, yeah. is, it is entirely their fault. But I also understand why she'd be like, You killed my boyfriend. I'm about to murder you. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I gotta be real with you, Needy. I know that she was a high school girl, but my friend shows up to my house looking like jennifer looked like that night she's taking a chair to the back of the head and being thrown out the front door (laughs) that friendship is done you (laughs) you give me the bloody toothy grin in in the 
comfort of my kitchen and you think I ain't about to hit you with the nearest object, you are out of your damn mind. But see, I feel like I, I'm just thinking back on myself in high school and I'm thinking back on like my friends. And I'm mm-hmm. and I feel like if the last time that I saw them, they were getting into a creepy van and the next time that I saw them, they were like covered in blood and stuff. I wouldn't think anything was wrong. I wouldn't think that they were the threat. I would think something bad happened to them mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. van. So like I feel yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. But I feel like it was you know it's the from black that perspective for me that, <laughs> that moves on its own. That I think that's yeah. when I may draw the line. I I do agree with you. You know I'd be worried mm-hmm. about my friend's state um, initially until it, that shit happens, and then it's, it's a wrap. Yeah, then I'm calling the priest. To be fair, she does go to call the police. She she does try and get the fuck out of there and call mm-hmm. the police. And then Jennifer is like quick like a rabbit. Jennifer now can move with the speed of sound. Right. So <laughs> she she never stood a chance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's just a it's just a wacky situation all in all. But yeah. I am yeah. happy that she gets revenge though. Oh yeah. Um, I was I was totally there for the she gets powers after being bitten. I was like they're you know they're doing their own thing with their form of whatever demonology Mm -hmm. this is. I was like it's cool that it matches the universe for me. I had no issues with her being superhuman now, especially because they do frame it at the beginning of the movie with that kick, like for how funny and how out of the blue that kick is, the fact that she can send a full grown woman over three tables is a little (laughs) bit sus, you know? And so to find out that the reason she could is because, you know, she had demonic power at that point. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, you, you already knew you were setting it up from the beginning. And I love when scripts do that. Yeah. And it's fun to see, how she is now and then go back and see how she was because you Mm -hmm. really see needy's journey throughout this movie into a completely different person right as a result of everything that has happened to her and i also really like the fact that the revenge was a kind of post-credit thing i think that was the smartest Mm -hmm. way to do that um like runtime wise i think that was a very creative way to give a button to the story that I think everybody who's watching wants that button, right? They want to see uh, Nikolai and his henchmen get ripped to shreds, and I'm glad that we do get that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also glad that they they choose to focus the entire movie on the relationship between Jennifer and Needy because the movie is about them. And I like that the these assholes dying is an afterthought i thought that that was another smart way to incorporate that right i agree with that it's it and it makes it fun it just makes the credits really fun because mm-hmm. you're like get to sit and watch i like i love that it's like in video format and then it turns to photographs when they mm-hmm. <laughs> when they go back and look at um when like the once the police get there and and i like too that this like my last little thought is mm-hmm. For Jennifer specifically, I like that they, I feel that this movie played her realistically as a popular girl because she is obviously popular, but she's not in, not in that over-exaggerated mean girl's way where it's like everybody's head turns when she walks down the hall or like, you know, she, like she does like the, she's like, 
in color it looked like she was in color guard i think they were trying to imply that maybe she's a cheerleader but i've never seen cheerleaders twirl the flags Mm -hmm. so i thought that that was like a random thing but i thought she was a cheerleader but clearly my knowledge of cheerleading is uh non-existent and maybe she i don't know i've never been to maybe in devil's kettle it's different but i've never (laughs) seen the cheerleaders twirl the flags we had like a flag like that was a whole separate thing to be a flag twirler was you were part of the band but uh, you still wore uniforms like that i'm i'm sure she's meant to be a cheerleader but i she just feels really realistic like she just kind of is there at school her and nini talk and hang out and like yeah she gets asked out sometimes and even when she's at the bar it's like she's just kind of at the bar and mm-hmm. yeah some people know her there but she, i don't know she just feels like a very realistic type of popular girl in the sense that people aren't clamoring around her all the time it honestly does feel like needy is her main friend her mm-hmm. only friend yeah, not her, you know, her only close friend like her I guess only say. friend yeah because you yeah. don't really see her uh spend any extended period of time with any other character mm-hmm. and yeah i agree with you it's like she's because of the way that we're following her character she seems like the popular girl that everybody loves right um but in actuality it really seems like the rest of the world is just turning whether or not she's there or not you know like we're focused on her but the rest of the world is doing its own thing and i think that is the case for all popular men and women um where it's like yeah in in this particular bubble the focus is on you but like you're not the end all be all mm-hmm. and i i agree i like that they didn't try to make jennifer's character that mm-hmm. yeah definitely so kudos to that as well mm-hmm. and also and, oh go ahead i was just gonna say i also too like that they explored her insecurities too mm-hmm. um with you know her looks being such a prevalent thing um to the character and her as a person i enjoyed that they had those tricklings of like you know the scene with her at the mirror and her just like looking at herself with a reveal that like she's you know making she has um eating disorders because she needs to try and stay a certain um appearance um i like that they explored that because you know again that's real shit that people deal with on a regular basis Mm-hmm. I think it really grounds the script by adding that stuff in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think Megan Fox does an awesome job. I've seen some people who think that Megan Fox is her acting in this is bad. I feel like she even got nominated for a Razzie for this, which I feel like is really not fair because no. I'm like, not Razzie worthy. <laughs> I can see how maybe some people don't think that she's like doing anything groundbreaking in this, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like for the character that Jennifer is, I think she does a great job yeah i think she did fantastic yeah i believe what's happening to her i believe what she's doing and i like i think she does a good job of balancing the bitchiness and the confidence with the more vulnerable moments and so yeah yeah with it i agree i'm pleased but that's Jennifer's body. There it is. Jennifer. Um, what are we gonna rate this out of? Oh man, I didn't even think about that. I mm. normally like when we get towards the end, I start like pondering what should we rate. I, I didn't even think. Mm. We can rate it out of a cult books. Cult books. I was gonna say flip phones, but I think we've done flip phone flip phones already. We might. I want to reuse. We might have. 
we could rate it out of out of rotisserie chickens yes we can and we will (laughs) we will most definitely rate this one out of rotisserie chickens (laughs) uh do you want to go first this time sure why not all right talk to me i'm going to give jennifer's body a 4.3 rotisserie chickens out of five okay all right this is just a fun movie i enjoy this movie like when i rewatch it i couldn't think of anything that i would have changed besides i do agree with you at times the dialogue is not my favorite that's mm-hmm. fine it's not that big of a like it's it works in the moment but you know there are just times when it's meant to be and this is how i feel about any movie that's a comedy i just don't i don't like when it feels like they've added a moment for laughter and mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like that happens in this movie where they say a line and they're expecting it's going to get a laugh. So it, it's like they they take a moment to let that line sink in. And I wish they wouldn't. I wish they just move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, those moments, I feel like, aren't my favorite. But they're so qu- quick that it's not that big of a deal to me. It like, doesn't make me distraught. It's just something that I notice. But other than that, I love the story. I think it's really fun. I think the acting is great. I I like the pace at which things happen. I yeah, I don't know. I just think it's an entertaining movie, but it also has some serious issues that it's talking about. The explorations of the relationships within it are really really awesome. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it, as a whole movie, as a as a full package. I think it's very consistent. Mm -hmm. I think it knows exactly what it's trying to do. It knows the tone that it's trying to hit and it successfully does that for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 4.3 rotisserie chickens out of five. Very nice. Um, Yeah, I think I'm gonna be right along there with you. Uh, I think I give, you know, I give Jennifer's body four out of five rotisserie (laughs) chickens. I I think I I don't have too much more to add, more than what we've already discussed and what you've already said. Um, I will say I definitely did not appreciate this movie um, the way that I should have the first time I watched it. I'm very glad that we decided to um, revisit this one um, because it would it would have been a movie that would have been lost in the ether for me. Like, I don't think without a reason I would have gone back to watch this movie. But I agree. It's actually really well made. Um, it holds up pretty damn well, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters, they're strong characters with strong motivations. I really like the script and the plot. Like you said, my only issue is the dialogue for me is a little wonky in places. But overall, I think that this was definitely a movie that got slept on. And if you haven't revisited Jennifer's Body in a really long time, or you were like me and you've only seen it once... Um, give it another go. It's it's actually really good. And I was kind of shocked by how much I enjoyed it. But um, yeah, four out of five rotisserie chickens. Mm-hmm. Also, what? Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of the song that what's the song that Colin is listening to in the car? He's like, was it? I mean, I was just looking at him and seeing Homeboy from Green Day. And I don't know if he was singing a Green Day song. But no, that's he's all I singing. Could... It's a it's a punk version of it's like I can see clearly now, now the, the rain, rain is gone. gone. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it was. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I can see all the obstacles, obstacles in my, in my way. way. <laughs> that was great. I loved it. <laughs> that was a good scene. I just had scene. to mention that because it gets me. It cracks me up every single time. 
<laughs> that it happens because it's so ridiculous. Man, justice, justice oh, for my boy Kali, man. man. I'm so I was sad to see him go. <laughs> and he's j jamming. <laughs> I can see clearly now. <laughs> when you <But> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that was good oh man but okay homie <laughs> please let us know your thoughts on jennifer's body we are, would love to talk to you guys about it you can always talk to us on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or we could have a little chit chat in our discord the link for that is in our social media bios join the discord guys Hop in, talk to us, talk to other homies, and we can further discuss any of the movies that we have done episodes on, actually. Um, so yeah, if you haven't yet, please slip into the Discord. You can also email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, that means that it's Monday. And that means that we are hanging out on Twitch tonight. It is homie hangout night. We will be on Twitch streaming, playing some spooky games. And as always, talking a little bit more in depth about the episode that came out today. So if you would like to come through there, say hello in the chat. We love seeing you guys. We love talking to you guys. Watch us get scared playing spooky games. We would love to see you, and the link for that is also in our social media bios. And last, but certainly not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would rate or leave us a review. On Apple Podcasts, you can do both. Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the better. More people get their ears and eyes on us. We're recommended to more people within our genre. And also, we just like hearing what you homies are thinking of the show. And if you listen to us on Spotify, you can now rate us on there as well. Just go to our podcast and click the little star underneath us and leave us a rating through Spotify. We would appreciate it. Either way, it would make us very happy. <laughs> but that's it. That was Jennifer's Day. Um, we hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation. And we can't wait to keep it going next Monday with you guys. Catch you next time, homies. Bye. Bye. <laughs>